Well, we're going to continue on a uh, three-part series, or, or part three, sorry, of our series that we started um, about four weeks ago. Uh, Jalil, last week, uh, I interviewed him uh, on the, just the practical outworkings of righteousness, and then two weeks before that, I shared about uh, how you know Jesus has cancelled our debt. That um, you know we're no longer uh, you know we're no longer trying to beautify a, a dead person. That he, he he's given us a brand new life. And and Jalil so uh, brilliantly articulated that you know we've come from you know we've come out of sin, and that's that's the that's essentially the level ground. And now it's about living in the maturity and the, the, the um, you know, outworking our faith in the kingdom of God and being intimate with God. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go into what that looks like and when that, when that age actually started. So we're, we're going to do a bit of a Bible study this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, grab them, get them ready. Um, but righteousness, you know, is the doorway uh, into intimacy and with the Father. And, and the best way, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I came in uh, to Christianity, you know, I came into the church, I came into God outside of a church experience, uh, which was, um, you know, which was just incredible when I was 14. And, and then I, I spent probably 18 months not in a church, and then I went to church. And, uh, and then, then I started to discover that actually there's this thing called the kingdom. And we're inside the kingdom. And the best way of knowing the kingdom is to know the king. And that if we want to know the king, what the kingdom of God is like, we need, we, need to, uh, we need to become intimate with the one who rules over this kingdom. And, uh, you know, the king, that word the kingdom is the word the king's domain. So it's the domain of the kingdom of God. And he prayed, um, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the prayer. That's our prayer is that heaven, his kingdom, would manifest on earth as it is in heaven. And, and so we're going to take a look at that this morning. And because uh, I believe the more, the more we're intimate with the king, you know, John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that we would know the father. And the more we know the father, the more we know the king, Jesus the more we get to display his kingdom and his reality on earth. And so we're going to have a look at that. So if you go to Daniel 9, verse 24, I'll give you, we've got, and we've got some slides this week uh, that'll come up. Um, this is the, the most prepared for a message I think I've ever been in my life <laughs> with giving notes. And I very rarely have notes. I've just got scriptures and that's it. So. All right, Matthew 9, uh, sorry, Daniel 9, verse 24. I'm going to try and read really slow because I want to unpack this a little bit. And my, my heart for this is that we would know what age we are in. Because we're not in partial law, partial grace. We're not in partial law, partial faith. It's not like, it's, it's not a healthy middle ground. It's a radical kingdom. Right, And so we're just going to have a look at that and, and what covenant we are actually in. So Daniel 9, verse 24. And this is it, it, Daniel sharing about a vision that he's had. And he says this, Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people. So 70 weeks is 77s, right? A week being seven days. 
have decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end to sin, to make atonement for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint, anoint the most holy place. Verse 25 says, So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, and it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then verse 26 says, Then after the 62 weeks of the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and, and, uh, city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood, even to the end that war, desolations are determined. And verse 27 says, And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week, right, that's really important, in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifices and grain offering, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed is poured out, the one who makes desolate. All right, there's a bit in there, and I want to I go back, back over something really quickly. Uh, when we talk about the Old Testament, often we, we lump it into one great big um, thing, but the reality is that uh, and, and I'd encourage you, if you get a chance, you could watch um, Mark Greenwood's message from Glorious City, Brisbane. He, does, he unpacks this a lot more uh, than I have time to this morning. But there's, we're in now in the New Covenant, and that's what we're going to look at. We're in the New Covenant, um, but there was also the Mosaic Covenant, and there was the Noahic Covenant, and there was the Davidical Covenant, and there was an Abrahamic Covenant. And so there were five, there's five covenants uh, that we have. And simply put, the Mosaic Covenant was very different than all of the other covenants. Uh, the Mo Mosaic Covenant was contingent on what the people did. Uh, it, was, um, it was contingent on how they behaved, how they responded, what they did. Whereas, say, the Noahic Covenant, you know, uh, really quickly to explain it, um, God said, I will never flood the earth again. And that wasn't contingent on what the people did. It was, it was a promise from God that he will never flood the earth again. Uh, he said to Abraham, I will make you a father of many, many, many generations, as many as the sand in the seashore, as many as the stars in the heavens. And so the, the promise was decreed from God. It was not contingent on what Abraham did. He had to receive it by faith. And, and so that's the same now. We're in the new covenant. We're considered children of Abraham. And so we receive what, we, uh, what God's promised by faith. It's not about our works. It's not about how many laws we can keep, how many rules we can keep, all of those things. And so whereas the Mosaic Covenant, uh, what was that? It was, it, was a, um, it was based on what there was a, you know, what they did, the, the uh, Jewish people, the Israelites, what they did had consequences or, or blessing, blessing and cursing. And so here Daniel has this dream. And now uh, we were sharing this in our, in our little Zoom group on Wednesday night and Jalil so beautifully reminded me that, um, you know, the Magi, when they knew of Jesus' coming, the Magi came from the east. And it's, it's pretty... Um, 
pretty certain that they would have come from Babylon and been trained up or descendants of Daniel. And that Daniel was a, a, a magi, he was a soothsayer, he was a you know, magician, some people called him. Um, but he was a prophet that trained up, he started a school of the prophets, and he trained up other prophets of how to discern and understand the times to where they actually, and when you're gonna, we're going to look at it in a second, to where we actually see that Daniel prophesied to the year uh, of Jesus' coming. And so if we go back to verse 24, it says that 70 weeks or 77s have been decreed for your people. And he goes on and he says, this will happen when the issuing um, of a decree to restore and rebuild. And then he says 62 sevens or 60 uh, and seven weeks uh, and, and seven. So 62 weeks, it will be uh, built again with plaza and moat. And then he says, verse 26, then after 62 weeks, so 62 and, and, and a week, uh, which is 69. So if we times 69 times 7, and, and I've I got to do a little bit of math here, people. Um, but if we do 69 times 7, it's 483. And from uh, the decree, so if we go back to where the decree gets de declared for the rebuilding of Jerusalem, it's in Ezra 7. And you can look this up yourself. So in Ezra 7... Um, there's a decree. Well, it's 483 years from Ezra 7 until AD 27, which is when Jesus comes on, onto the scene and starts his ministry. So Daniel here prophesies to the year of the coming Messiah. So 69 times 7, 483. Ezra decrees uh, in, in, uh, in Ezra 7 that the, the building of Jerusalem, oh, it's... Um, uh, it's not Ezra, but it's um, King Artaxerxes or something, uh, something like that, decrees. So it's 483 years from that time uh, until, the re until Jesus comes on the scene. And so to the year, Daniel prophesies this and gets this ridiculously accurate. But that leaves us seven, uh, seven weeks or seven years, you know, seven weeks of, uh, of, of a gap, 483 to uh, where he says at the start, 70 weeks have been decreed. Well, seven, seven sevens are 490. So there's a gap there of seven weeks, if you, if you can follow me, follow with me, right? Then in verse 27, um, it, it is, he says, and he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, right? One seven. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifices and grain offerings. Well, Jesus came on the scene for three and a half years he did ministry. What is half of seven? Three and a half. In the middle of the last seven-year reign, Jesus puts an end to sacrifices and an end to grain offerings. And he announces something. He announces this in verse... Uh, 24 it says and your whole is to finish the transgression to make an end of sin to make atonement for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up vision and prophecy and anoint the most holy place so here daniel 9 if you study that out for yourself daniel 9 prophesies to the year and to the exact time that jesus is going to come and put an end to the Mosaic law. It's incredible. 
So we have this here very clearly to the day, to the, almost to the day of the, when Jesus is going to come. That's why the Magi come and they're like, hey, we've, we've come from the east. We're looking for the Messiah, right? It, phenomenal. And then if we, go to, um, if we go to Matthew 3, so if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 3. Sorry, I don't usually do the math stuff, but it was, it was just, uh, we needed, needed to do it to show you something. All right, Matthew 3, verse, 31, uh, verse 13, says this. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee to the, at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have, no, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus answering him, this is verse 15, said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus, right in that moment, fulfills the Mosaic law. He just, it's a, um, a picture, a shadow, if you will, of the fulfillment of the Mosaic law, the death of the law and the resurrection. And when he comes up out of the water, we know the dove comes down and it, and it lands on his shoulder and it says, and it remains. And from that point on, he preaches about the kingdom. From that point on, it says that he starts to teach and demonstrate and model the kingdom. 106 times the kingdom of God is mentioned or the kingdom of heaven is mentioned uh, in the New Testament. 106 times. It's the most talked about topic uh, in the New Testament is a mentioned topic in, in the kingdom, is the kingdom. Everything that Jesus does, whether it's healing a leprosy, healing a blind person, whether it's multiplication of food, everything that he does is now to demonstrate and model the kingdom of God. If we go to verse uh, Matthew 13, I think, have you got that one there, Kimmy? Matthew 13, verse 31. It says this, he presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all the seeds. But when it is full grown, it is larger than, than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air can come and nest in its branches. I'm just going to be really bold right now, but we're in the age of the kingdom. And uh, we, I'm seeing we're in the age right now of where the king's domain, the key, his domain is to be outworked in our everyday life. That we are children of a king. We have a king. His name is Jesus. He's the one we follow. And he prayed, your, he taught us to pray your kingdom, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if you want to get a picture of what the kingdom of God is like, we have a perfect example. His name is Jesus. So if you have something in your thought process or in your theology that you, cannot, that you can't find in the life of Jesus, then you have a very good reason not to call it God. Because we're in a, we're in a new covenant right now. We're in a new covenant. So it's not a little bit of the Mosaic law or a little bit and a little bit of the kingdom. It's Jesus came to fulfill the Mosaic law and, and bring us into a new covenant called the kingdom age. 
right? As we just saw in Daniel 9, that kingdom age started when Jesus, halfway through the last week of seven, three and a half years, he put an end to those sacrifices and that way of living, and he ushered in a new way. That's why he says, you've heard it say, but I say. You've heard it say, but I say. That's why he rebuked uh, Uh, James and John for trying to call down fire on a city because he says, you do not know what spirit you are of, right? And I I just want to say this right now. There There are a lot of Christians right now that I'm seeing that I would say are more partnering with the spirit of the world than they are the spirit of the kingdom. And that's not okay. We need to repent of that and start to partner with what God's doing and with what God's saying. Because Jesus had a solution for every storm that he slept in. He had a solution for every food need that was needed. He had the solution. He had a solution for all sickness, for all disease, for all torment, for all all of these things. He brought the solution. He never once said, well, I'm sorry, that sickness is there. It's been given by God. It's just to teach you a lesson so that you become closer to me. He never said that. He ushered in the king's domain. The realm of the king manifested everywhere that he went. Right? So it's not a little bit of sickness with a little bit of healing. It's not a little bit of depression with a little bit of, you know, sound mind. No, he, and I'm not putting guilt or shame on anyone, but what I am saying is that Jesus ushered in a completely different way of living. We're not to be echoes of the world. We're to be representatives, ambassadors of the king. Right? We're the ones that he said, um, you've got hope, you've got salt, you've got light, and you've got leaven, right? And he says, you're the light of the world, right? So salt, what does salt do? It adds flavor. It brings things to life. It adds flavor. It adds a bit of something to it, you know? What does the light do? The light illuminates what is in the, hidden in darkness so that you can live differently, it, 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 if you, if I, I love this analogy, but right now I've got darkness inside my fist. If I release this darkness into a lit up room, it has no effect on the on this lit up room, right? Darkness is not. It's not. It's not a com, a competitive spirit with light, right? It's not an equal force, right? And leaven. Leaven gets inside of the system. It gets inside of the the lump of dough, and it makes it come alive. And you and I are called to bring salt, hope, light, and leaven, and healing, and miracles, and signs and wonders, and be a different. We're not, we're not to be separate from the world, but we're, we're supposed to love the world. We're supposed to love humanity. We're supposed to not judge humanity. We're not supposed to throw stones at humanity, but we are supposed to bring the answer. We are supposed to bring comfort. Peace, joy, hope, light, all of these things. And right now, I, I, I just want to say this, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to like do any of that. But what I am saying is, I'm, I'm speaking to Christians right now, is we're supposed to check our spirit right now and say, what spirit are we operating in? Are we operating under the spirit of the, the accuser of the brethren? Or are we operating under the spirit that brings hope, that brings life, that brings joy, that brings freedom? 
that brings those things because he ushered in a kingdom, right? That he, he came he came in Caesar's day, where Caesar, you know, was there was corruption, there was uh, torment, there was um, there was all of these things, and I want to just show you a little video, and it's from the Chosen. Uh, and we're just going to show you, and, and this is a take out of John 3 of what Jesus says to Nicodemus. So let's just watch this for a second. I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? <laughs> Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see. Unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? <laughs> I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things, huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind. How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the Spirit. The Spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the Spirit, you can recognize His effect. Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes. And I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes. But even more than that, do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. 
They wanted to return to Egypt, and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents, and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert, and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Shh. When I met Lilith. Awesome. If you haven't watched The Chosen, I would uh, encourage you to watch the whole series. Um, it's free. You can watch it for free. It's a pay-it-forward kind of, um, um, you know, subscription thing. But it's uh, it's completely free to watch. It's powerful, very powerful. Jesus didn't come, John 3.17 says that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. Uh, I think it's in Luke 18. He says he came to seek and save that which was lost, not whom which was lost. Obviously, he came to save humanity, the souls, to destroy sin. You know, 1 John says that in him is no darkness. But he came to put right what God is like. Uh, what his ways are like, his, his nature, he's, he's a good father. He's a good, good, good father. He's in a good mood. He's, he's, he's got nothing but goodness. He's not a little bit of law and a little bit of faith. He's not a little bit of law and a, you know, a little bit of sickness and a little bit of healing. It's, it, there's a way that seems right to a man that leads to death, but there is a way of the kingdom. And that's what you and I have been called into. And if, if you don't believe me, um, Hebrews 8, 6 says this. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which he has been enacted on better promises. Come on. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. He's talking about the Mosaic covenant. For finding fault with them, he says, Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. 
For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother, saying, Know me, know the Lord, for all will know all will know me from the least of the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Then this says this, when he said a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear. Wow. I'm just going to read this. 1 Peter uh, 1 Peter. 1.23 says, Peter, since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Going back to Matthew 13, it talked about a seed. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that gets planted. It's the smallest of seeds, but it gets planted and it bears the biggest of fruit. Uh, about a month ago, I shared on Daniel 2 about how in the old covenant, the remnant would come, it would, it would become less. So like um, the days of Noah, it was, you know, eight people were left and they were the righteous ones. You know, uh, in Abraham and Lot, you know, it was less and less people, you know, got dwindled down. Uh, but when the kingdom came, Jesus started with 12 and then it went to, well, it started with him, really. He brought the kingdom. It went from 1 to 12 to 72 to 120 to 3,000 and then it just exponentially grew. So it started with the smallest of seed and it, it says of Jesus, of Mary that, you know, she bore a seed. Jesus became a seed. It, this blows my mind. Jesus became a seed planted inside of Mary that grew, that demonstrated the kingdom. And then he said, now you've been born again of that seed that is not perishable. And that word in 1 Peter, if you look it up, it's nowhere else in the Bible. You can't find it. The reason you can't find it anywhere else in the Bible is because it never before existed until Jesus died and resurrected. When, when he got stabbed on the side, a new lineage started of water and blood. A new lineage came out of the side of his rib. How is Adam and Eve, how is Eve born out of the side of Adam? How is the royal priesthood, the holy nation, a kingdom of God born out of the side of Jesus? When he died, he died and he fulfilled the law, the Mosaic law. When he resurrected, he ushered in a new covenant. And that's the covenant that you and I are living in. That's the covenant we're supposed to demonstrate and model and bring hope to this world. That it would be planted like a seed, but it will grow and it will exponentially grow. Because of the increase of his government, there will be no end. It's an everlasting kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed, one that will not be take, torn down. It's a kingdom that advances and goes from glory to glory, from strength to strength. And it's God's desire... Listen to this. It's God's desire in Habakkuk. He says, uh, I think it's in Habakkuk. He says uh, that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Right? And this is the genius of God. What I'm going to show you right now and then we're going to close. But this is the genius of God. Is uh, So that seed that gets deposited in you. We'll go to Romans 14 and this will be the last verse. By the way, uh, in Daniel where he says, um, 
uh, how, you know, 77s, uh, you know, 70, 70 weeks, 77s, uh, is a correlation to where Peter says, how many times shall I forgive my brother? And Jesus says, oh, you've, you know, seven, Peter says seven times, and he says, surely I say seven times 70. So what's he saying? He's saying the way that God was merciful to Israel in those 490 years is how I want you to be to anyone on planet Earth. I want you to be like God. He's not saying we are God, but he's saying, I want you to be as merciful and as kind and as forgiving and as generous and as loving and as hope-filled like my father. Almost reminds me of 2 Corinthians 5.17 where he says, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, not counting people's trespasses against them. (laughs) Uh, Romans 14.17 says this, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. And all that means is the kingdom of God is not just the right now and the tangible that we can taste and see, right? The the reality is the king's domain, his realm is more powerful and more real than what we can see and touch and taste and feel. It's, It's superior, right? So for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy and where is it? It's in the Holy Spirit. Right? <laughs> like, like, like. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. This is the genius of God. This is the genius of Jesus. That they went, you know what? We're going to deposit, as Jesus, uh, you know, the guy that acted Jesus uh, said, I've not come to overthrow Rome. I've come to bring my kingdom. And then he goes, I'm going to put it inside of my people. Anyone that believes in me receives the seed that is imperishable. And the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of our mortal body. It's the greatest trick God's ever done is, is multiplying himself and his kingdom, his domain inside of people, right? So it's inside of the Holy Spirit. And then what you and I get to partner with and what you and I get to do is we get to partner with God, co-labor, co-mission with God, bringing about the kingdom, the domain of the king's realm on earth as it is in heaven. And he says, bind what is bound in heaven, loose what is loosed in heaven. So here's the reality, church, is if you find something in your scripture that Jesus didn't do or did do, so if, if, for example, if you see hopelessness, Jesus brought hope. <laughs> if you see depression, Jesus brought peace. If you see sickness, Jesus brought healing. If you see lack, Jesus brought abundance, right? That's what he did, and that's what you and I, that's the domain of the king getting manifested on earth as it is in heaven. So if something is there that shouldn't be there because it's not in the kingdom, then you have the legal right to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring joy, to bring freedom, to bring deliverance, to, bring, to cast that thing out, whatever it is. You have access, full access to the kingdom, 
right? If I give my credit card to my daughter, my name's on the credit card, I've paid for it in full, but she has full access to tap away, right? She has full access to use what I have freely given her. And I believe it's, we need to pick this baton back up again of the kingdom because we've laid it down and we're partnering with, the, we, we just look like the rest of the world and we're supposed to look different because we're supposed to bring hope and freedom and healing and miracles and signs and wonders and the supernatural reality of his king, of our king, to the domain to take rule and reign, not so we can conquer the world, but so we can actually serve humanity and serve it well. Oh, that felt good. That just felt nice to say, I love you guys. I'm not angry at you guys. I don't want to sound like I'm preaching at you guys and throwing stuff at you, but I, I want to stir, I am preaching, yes, I know, but I want to stir us up to faith and good works, that we are to actually Take up the mantle of the kingdom again. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You have a king. His name is Jesus. And it's no longer a little bit of the law and a little bit of grace. It's not a, it's not a healthy middle ground. It's a radical kingdom. The, the old covenant is obsolete. It no longer exists. It's time that we as the church advance the kingdom, the king's domain. We pick up our seed that we have. So what seed have you got in your hand right now that you need to plant to see it grow into the biggest tree? What seed is inside you that you need to release right now, wherever it is, that you need to bring hope? Maybe it's things in your life that you've got mindsets of that just need to change and become kingdom mindsets rather than worldly mindsets. And that's, our, that's my challenge for us this morning is we've entered. We saw in Daniel that we are now in the age of the kingdom, that that has been fulfilled, that those promises have been ushered in. Biblically, that has, has come. And in Acts 1, Jesus says that he taught, them, um, he taught them for 40 days about the kingdom. He could have chosen any topic, but he taught them about the kingdom. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like this. It's like this. It's like this. And that's my prayer. My prayer is that we as the church would be the most joy-filled, hope-filled, fun-filled, radical, righteous lovers of Jesus, that we display the kingdom of God, that we don't just talk about the kingdom, that we learn to actually outwork the kingdom. That it's, it's, no, it's no good just going, hey, I've got this brand new iPad and it works incredibly and here's a brochure, catch you later. We need to actually demonstrate and model what the kingdom of God is like. We need to actually outwork. He says it's, the spirit of God is in you like a river flowing from your innermost being. The seed of God, the, the river of God that wants to come out, that wants to flow out of you and touch the world around you. That's how he's going to cover the earth with his glory, is through you, through Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ah, yeah. oh, profound. All right. That felt nice. That felt good. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that. Go back. A lot of scripture in there this morning. Bit of a, an in-depth Bible study. But I encourage you to go back and, and study out Daniel 9 and, and just look at the advancement of the kingdom that Jesus is, is doing right now. And um, he is. He's advancing the kingdom. That's his, he's got a plan. 
no matter what's in the world around us right now. Uh, and it's not a bury your head in the sand thing. It's, it's, it, there's stuff going on right now. But he's, he's still on the throne. He's still in a good mood. He's still, he's still a good, good father. And we, we need to come back to alignment with partnering with the king to see his domain manifest on earth. So, Father, I just thank you for everyone watching this morning and those that will watch this back. I thank you that your, the kingdom of God would just, uh, just seep into people's homes right now that the kingdom would advance in workplaces, in hospitals right now, that people would be getting healed. Uh, We're hearing testimonies of people getting healed uh, within Glory City and outside. God, that people would be coming to Christ. I love, I think I read 15 people at least that I know of on the harvest um, thing that Andrew has been doing, uh, getting born again and coming into a love relationship with their dad. And Father, I just thank you that you, we are now in the age of the kingdom. We are now in the age of where that covenant is obsolete and we're in a new covenant, in a new way of living, that Jesus, you are the truth about us. You are the truth about God. And I just pray for a stirring in people's hearts and people's minds, God, where we may have um, just partnered with, with the spirit of the world or we partnered with lies or we partnered with, with the devil's voice or whatever it is that we've partnered with, we'd repent of that right now and we just come back to alignment. We'd come back into your ways because your ways are the best ways that your ways are the, the ways of love, your ways are the ways of truth, your ways are the ways of hope, God. And I just pray businesses in our area right now would flourish. God, that those maybe who are worried financially, I just pray that, uh, that the testimony of what happened here with Glory City, that, that, would just, that people would just receive money in their bank accounts. Supernatural money would just appear in people's lives, God. That you are the God of uh, the provider. You are the God of more than enough. Where there's sickness, I pray healing right now. Where there's depression, I pray peace right now. Where there's anxiety, I just release the spirit of peace to crush and, and, and no longer torment people. Thank you, Jesus. Where there's lack and where there's dysfunctional relationships, I pray you would restore the hearts of people back to each other. Thank you, God. You are the great reconciler. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome, church. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, next week, we have a great uh, blessing. We're going to have Lisa Kerr uh, up here. She's going to be giving the word. It's going to be fantastic. It might be interview style as well, which would be cool. And, um, yeah, we hope you guys are having a great week. Enjoy this sun. It looks like it's a beautiful day out there. And, um, yeah, have a great Sunday. Love you guys. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.